Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the ME7 podcast. It is one day away from Jules' first home fixture of the League 2 campaign, and we host Accrington Stanley at the Priestfield on the back of a tremendous week, both on and off the pitch for the Jules, starting, of course, with that 1-0 victory on opening day against Stockport County, followed up by that brilliant win under the lights at home to knock Southampton out of the Carabao Cup and earn Jules a draw away at Premier League Luton Town. And now it is time to look ahead to the first game of the campaign at Priestfield, where we take on Accrington Stanley, a team who won their first game 3-0 at home against um, Newport County, followed it up with a win on penalties in the Carabao Cup against Bradford. You might be familiar with the game if you've seen that um, clip from um, the Accrington player taking the penalty. It was quite um, unfortunate for him. As you say now, out loud, I think they may well, may well have lost that game. But regardless, Jules are back at Priestfield for the first time in a good few months for a league fixture. And we all cannot wait whatsoever. Uh, lots of talking points to get through tonight. Obviously, the news that came out today about Macaulay Bond, the biggest mystery of the last couple of weeks, has finally been solved. And he is now a Gillingham player. We'll, of course, preview the upcoming game against Accrington Stanley. Got some quotes for, I've picked out, both from Neil Harris and from John Coleman, having listened to his pre-match interview on YouTube as well. And then we'll also delve into what our team lineups would be and what we think the score is going to be, etc. Because it is going to be a big selection headache for Neil this season, which is not the case that we had last year, obviously, where it was just a case of you have 11 players, you don't want any of them, but 11 of them have got to play. Whereas this season... We're going to have a lot of games like this where we don't know which way Neil's going to go due to the massive amount of talent we now have in the squad and we can choose from. So there's a lot to delve into there. We're going to bring in both Matt and Lewis this evening to talk things, chilling him ahead of this game at Priestall. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. How are you doing? We haven't heard from you on the show for a while. Um, just a quick note before we, we do bring in Matt, you would have seen the debut episode of um, Breakfast Club with uh, Matt on the ME7 podcast that dropped on our YouTube this past Sunday. That's going to be a weekly thing. Actually, actually Actually, Matt's so rude with me. Why, why am I explaining it? This is your show. Matt, take over. Tell us all about the breakfast show and then move on to your thoughts on this this game coming up on the weekend. Uh, yeah, well, so the breakfast show is basically just uh, a little bit of content we're going to be putting out uh, each week just to talk about all the news that, that's gone on at the club. So talk about, obviously, recent signings, any games that have been played. Uh, obviously, as the season goes on and, you know, we'll talk about any sort of the B team results, uh, you know, if, as long as they're published, uh, any loan signings that have gone out. Yeah, just, just really sort of a bit of a catch up for everything that's gone on at Gillingham uh, in the week. So, yeah, that's going to be a weekly show. Obviously, the first one went out last week. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, if you guys uh, are up for it, yeah, please send in any comments or questions you have for us. Uh, anything that happens throughout the week. And, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss it at the weekend. Uh, yeah, obviously looking forward to the game. Uh, for those of you that are game that don't know, I actually broke down on the M2 on the way to the game on Tuesday. My car decided to give up, me and uh, my two mates. So I, I, of course, I ended up missing the uh, uh, the Jules uh, the Jules play uh, and uh, beat Southampton. But I'm really looking forward to Saturday getting the uh, you know the league campaign under un, uh, underway at Priestfield at home. Uh, you know the second game of the season. Hopefully. Fingers crossed, you know, a, a good Jules win. And, uh, yeah, let's get Priestfield rocking. I believe the Rainer Mend as well is now completely sold out. It is indeed. And, uh, Lewis, it's all the atmosphere at the Rainer Mend on uh, Tuesday night against Southampton. It's going to be rocking again uh, tomorrow afternoon. And it's interesting this game comes along as it does because, as we mentioned before the start of the campaign, we all looked at the fixtures, the opening four, certainly, and thought, OK, probably the toughest possible start you could have with Stockport. But then after that... 
and look, it, it doesn't always work its way out on paper. I'm sure it probably won't. But we looked at the games of home to Accrington and the two away ones on the bounce to Sutton and Calling. Looked at it initially and thought this is a really good chance to get three points here. Now having won the opening at Stockport and obviously the Carabao Cup doesn't go towards points, but still a massive marker for us to set down. We look at these games now, the next three, starting with tomorrow, and it, it does, with all due respect to the teams of playing, represent a good opportunity to really kick on at the start of this season. Evening, everybody. Hope everyone's good. Yeah, it does represent a really good chance. Um, I think you spend so long looking at the first game of the season because you want to get off to a great start and the whole summer after the fixtures come out, you sort of think, you know, oh, um, Stockport, 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 and then suddenly the game's gone, and you you got to look, you got to look on. No one really thought we'd get anything from the Southampton game, and what a night it was at Priestfield. Um, worth listening back to our show after the game on on Tuesday if you haven't. But yeah, really, really great night. One of the best performances I've ever seen. One of the best nights I've had at, at, at the ground. Um, that's just a plus, really. You know, beating a higher league team, a nice little run in the cup. Um, rewarded with a draw, probably the worst Premier League away day there is, but against the Premier League team nonetheless, and a chance for another upset. So, yeah, going into to these three games now, you say on paper at the moment at least we're favouring everyone. Accrington are, are a side that not a lot of people have high hopes for for the season, to be fair, and I think they might have been underestimated a little bit. They're a really physical side. You know what you're getting with John Coleman. He's had success at this level before. Let's not forget they won League Two a few years ago. And... Yeah, they're, they're going to be a threat. They won their opening game, the first two games, if you look at their cup result as well. And Harris has said it himself, you know, if you're underestim- underestimating Accrington, you're silly, basically, and they're going to put, put up a test. But I think in front of a sold-out rain and end, you know, at home where we've been so good and at home where there'll be expectations, but there'll also be good backing tomorrow. Um, can't wait for the game and it should be a really good afternoon. Yeah, Matt, I listened to um I listened to John Coleman's interview on uh, on YouTube and you know, if I'm honest, the, the reporter whoever does it for Accrington didn't really ask anything about us specifically. I watched the whole ten minutes to see if he would uh, talk about us and the game upcoming, but he spent a lot of time talking about them playing um playing games in the hotel away from home, which I thought was a, a weird way of doing it. But regardless, um yeah, he said quite a few things about their current state and how they've suffered massively of injuries over the past year, which was part of the downfall as to why they and now back in uh, back in uh, League Two, they've had um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Apologies, but their left back who they signed on from Norwich has suffered a, an injury that's going to keep him out for about eight weeks. He lasted about I think just over half time on Saturday, and now he's back to his parent clubs. There's issues there. There was suspicions over Sean McConville's fitness. He was uh, left out on um, Tuesday night, but there's belief that he'll be back in time to play uh, play at Bruce tomorrow and. Um, yeah, he just basically said about how he has these aims and he has these ambitions for this season with Accrington. But, you know, much like Neil Harris is saying, they've got to keep a level, level head, take one game as it comes. He's very keen to point out that every game at this point is in isolation. So it very much goes along with what, what Neil's been saying about, about the past few games. But, you know, I think Lewis is right and it's not a team we can underestimate by any stretch of the imagination. I believe they have a striker whose name I can't recall is about six foot five or something like that. So it'd be the biggest test so far for, for Shad and Max, that's for sure. Maybe Connor, if he comes back in, we don't know. But it is it is a game that represents a good opportunity to get three points in the opening home game of the season. But at the same time, it's not one where if we turn up with the mentality that the game's already won, because you know people will have us as favourites, we're probably going to come away with nothing. So it is important to you know take each game in isolation and address the threats that Accrington do possess, because they do possess them. And 
go about the game the best we can to try and win it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always sort of have, use the analogy that, uh, you know, sort of the opening first five games of uh, any football season are quite generally like the first round of a boxing match where you're sort of feeding the rest of the teams out. You're seeing the style of play that they're going to play. We know, uh, obviously, yeah, the kind of how Accrington are going to come at us, but it's, you know, these opening games of the season, they're going to have their different tricks and plays that they're going to throw at us and we're going to have to stand tough and really defend it. And, and, and yeah, I was, I, I think, was it 3-0 they won their opening game? You know, there, there are a team that, that, that can score goals, but I just believe, you know, Fortress Priestfield, you know, with that rain of men backing us, I think we can just stand strong against these guys. And that's ultimately what we've got to do. We've just got to take each game as it comes, but get behind the boys, give them 100, and, you know, give them 100% of our, our voices singing, you know, until the, till the 98th minute or whatever it's going to be now on, um, and, and I, I believe these boys will see us through. But yes, it's going to be a tough test. No, we haven't already won the game. We've got to play the 90 minutes. But as long as we keep our heads in the game, I, honestly, I, I, I feel we can have, we've can we got it in the bag. And Lewis, I think I was um, quite... Well, I watched the highlights of um, Accrington's win on opening day against uh, Newport. And I wasn't particularly surprised by the manner of their goals, per se. It seemed to be from... Obviously, this is just highlights taken down so obviously I haven't seen the full game and I'm not going to so it might not give the best reflection of them overall but it seemed to be a very front foot style in terms of balls into the boxes up to the physical man and trying to make things happen off of that I think they scored three goals from crosses for example uh, as well the third one I thought was really good in particular there's a great ball into the back post I think they're six foot five striker whatever his name is just go went around the back post funded a header, header in and Newport just couldn't seem to be able to deal with that and it was a game, John Coleman even said himself, and I listened to the Newport manager's interview after Graham Copland just to get some bit of background on that game. And it did seem that 3-0 was a bit of a flattering scoreline for Atkinson per se. It seemed like it was a game of two halves, but Newport, for one reason or another, just couldn't make their dominance and their their period count for any goals or things like that. So Atkinson won away comfortable winners um, by the sounds of it. But it, it does say to me that although they have won their game 3-0 on opening day and they've seen the you know, found a really effective route of getting to goal. We are going to be a lot stronger than Newport defensively and it's going to be a big test, as I said, for Shad and Max and maybe even Connor. But I think we would have enough to, to stand up to it. But I think it is going to be a threat that's going to be persistent. The team, we, can't, we don't really want to be giving away set pieces against if we can help it because they're going to have a lot of big aerial threats and it's going to be... It's, 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 funnily enough, what a lot of teams' managers probably would have said about us last season, you know, especially when we had Hawkins and even with Mandon to an extent, although he was useless, people would say, you know, they're going to put it to the big man and try and play off him and it's going to be one of those sort of afternoons for us. So I think it was interesting someone asked um, Neil and his presser, did they expect, did they expect more teams to come here and play a back five and sit off us now? And I think the issue is with against a team like Accrington and the way they play, I think if we go one nil down, for example, it's going to be a tough slog per se to get back into it because they're going to put everyone behind the ball. But, you know, I'm not giving them the most glamorous um, description here, Accrington, but I think it's a game that's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. It's going to be physical. But, Lewis, I think there's no reason off the evidence we've seen in the first two games to suggest that we can't break down a back five if we have to and you know I think we'll be fully expecting to take the game to them and try and get that early goal and then make the onus on them to get back into it It's going to be a very different uh, test to Stockport you know Stockport likes to have um, 
you know, play on the ground a bit more. I thought I thought it was a decent football match where there was a lot of football played on the floor uh, last weekend. Obviously, the likes of Nick Powell, Louis Barry, um, the lad that was at Plymouth, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, and obviously um, Isaac Collaroth as well. So I think Atkinson is a very different brand of football. Um, John Coleman makes no makes no secret of the way he likes to play. I think they did really well to have a few few years in League One, but they um, they are almost a typical League Two team. They did really well when they won the division a few years ago. Had a fantastic home record. Um, I don't I don't know how well they travel. I know they don't necessarily take too many supporters away. It's going to be completely different to the amount of supporters that were in the away end on uh, on Tuesday. I imagine the Brian Moore stand will be empty. I don't know for sure, but yeah, it's going to be a very different test. Um, I think Shadrach Oji might not have been first choice had Conor Masterson been fit last week, but best player on the pitch, fantastic again on Tuesday and he's basically undroppable now. I would probably expect Max and, and Shad to start centre-back tomorrow. Um, you mentioned on the show, I think it was last Saturday, Owen, about how um, we've not really had a big dominant centre-back for, for too many years. You, you think of Max Aime, Mark Conor Ogilvy, Jack Tucker... Um, those sorts of players that none of them have been sort of massive commanding defenders really and Shad is that um, you know he won all his aerial duels last week he was absolutely fantastic in the air but obviously he has more traits than that but when he's coming up against these massive forwards we'll see what he's made of he's got league to experience so he knows what to expect but it is going to be a different task for Max as well depending on who who they look to target I suppose but yeah you know it's a different test It's it's a game of football at the end of the day um, you know, coming away, coming away, going away from home for them will be a challenge. Um, you know, as I said, they don't necessarily take too many supporters to try and spur them on. I think you mentioned a lot of more teams coming to Priestfield and trying to shut up shop. You know, maybe that will happen. You know, maybe it'll happen soon. Maybe it'll happen later on in the season if we're we're doing well. But you know, we were spoken about that. Neil would have watched, and the rest of the you know coaching staff that whose job it is to do so will have watched countless videos and you know you prepare for each game individually I think one thing I've praised Neil for is that he's been so flexible um, sort of since January I suppose in approaching each game on its merit and I don't necessarily mean taking one game at a time I mean sort of tactical flexibility based on what he's facing um, I think he probably will go to up front at the weekend which I don't think he was ever really probably going to do against Stockport from the start Um you know, and then you've got your different tactical tweaks that he's really good at identifying for, for each team. And he's pretty much got all the tools that he needs now to do that. And I think it allows him to flourish and I expect us to, to be successful tomorrow. It'll be a tough game, of course it will. But, you know, one that I'm sure we'll be ready for. Yeah, Matt, like you said, at the, the first five games or so of the season about feeling each other out and things like that. That sounds weird saying it out loud, apologies. But I think this probably is one of those games where in about, well, whenever we play Accrington again, you'll probably be thinking where we are in the league, where we hope to be. And you look at Accrington as one of those games that people put under the bracket of, if you want to be successful, these are the sort of games you've got to win, whether it's against mid-table or lower mid-table. And I think Accrington probably will be looking more for consolidation than anything else this season, just due to, you know, everyone else in the league. Well, not everyone, but there's a vast majority of teams now who are breaking, not breaking the bank per se, but have a lot more financial standards than some other ones. And I think Arkansas are probably going to be on the wayside of that. But I think you do, you are going to get what you expect from them. You're going to get a physical team who are going to get in your face and things like that, which might help us with the additional time that's being added on now if they choose to try and slow the game down or things like that. But 
it's going to be very interesting to see the team that Neil Harris goes with because, as we put in the title of this um, of this podcast, it is Neil's selection headache, and it's one that we've not really been able to have for quite a while. Where we've had so many good options in so many different positions, there's a lot of interesting ones that I'd like to talk about. Firstly, is you know the situation at left back because Scott Malone was brilliant on opening day against Stockport. Max Clark was again very good. Um, when we saw him on Tuesday night. So there's good, healthy competition between those two as to who's going to be the pick. Maybe it all depend on different variations we want to play against different teams and things like that. But Scott, for me, is probably just pipping Max at this moment in time because I thought he brought so much to the game to us on um, Tuesday. Nearly scored twice um, on a Saturday, I should say, sorry. Nearly scored twice. He shows clear leadership skills, calms everyone down. You know, at a moment in the second half of that little chest back to to Turner when everyone was sort of panicking and wishing he wouldn't do that, but it worked out and I think Max will ultimately have his chance at some point as well, but yeah, Matt, we'll start with that as the first selection headache. Scott Malone versus Max Clark, who are you looking at and thinking he's the one to go into the team this coming game? Look, I mean, I've got to say Max Clark, um, I've seen a, a couple of, um, obviously, of the, the highlights from the game on Tuesday night. Um, Max Clark looked Brilliant, I thought uh, in that second half. Um, thought it, it, he he looked a bit under pressure in the first half, but I think once he kind of got into the game, yeah, I thought he looked brilliantly. But for me, you've got to go with the experience of Scott Malone. Um, for, for just just the experience alone, like you said, that that sort of that header back to uh, Jake Turner uh, last week. You know, you, you'd expect most other League Two sort of defenders or midfielders just to you know to try and boot it away or test it and try and take uh, on a, a couple of forwards to try and take it out of the box. But no, he, he, he used his head. He, he he got it back to Jake and calmed the situation down. So for me, it would be all day. It would be Scott Malone. Yeah, Lewis, Max obviously made it into the um, team of the week in the EFL Carabao Cup team. It was quite shocking, actually, that uh, Robin McKenzie didn't make it. But Max certainly deserved his spot regardless. Should have had them both already. But it is a situation where as we've said all summer, really, with every signing that's come in, we've said, OK, now we've got two great options in both positions and we've added another one today further up the field. But it's a headache for nil, but it's a good headache to have. You'd rather have a headache of which good player do I put in the team today as opposed to, you know, last it was season when it's like, which bad player do I have to pick from, isn't it? Yeah, it's never a problem having all these options, you know. When all four of our strikers are fit for a start, you know, it's going to be an absolute minefield in trying to select who he wants to um who he wants to select up front especially if it's only going to be one but yeah great options like you say last last season we were just trying to get 11 out um this year sport for choice in every position really you know maybe we need a winger but we've got players that can play there um you know I was debating the the starting team in my head and I think I spoke a little bit about it on the show on on Tuesday about um, where Robin McKenzie is going to play. And I think in my team, I don't know if we're going to come on to it a little bit later, but I'm intrigued to to see Robin McKenzie midfield again. Maybe that means Ethan Coleman steps out. Um, you know, and he's done absolutely nothing wrong. He's been fantastic in these two games. I've been so impressed with Ethan Coleman uh, since he's come in. He's so calm. He, he looks after the ball. Maybe he needs to be a bit more ambitious of passes sometimes or release the ball a little bit quicker on occasion. Um, I think that's sometimes a, a lazy analysis, but I've seen I've seen before that you know maybe a one or two times you want him to to give the ball a bit earlier, but he's still a young player, still learning under Harris. It's the first sort of 
um, proper sort of run in a in a team, if you like. He didn't he didn't have too much time game time late in Orient. Obviously, he went alone, but he's a key member of our squad now, and I'm a massive massive fan of his. But you know, maybe Robbie just gets the nod ahead of ahead of him because of his form. Um, you know, whoever misses out will be gutted. It's like last week. Ashley Nadison and Robin McKenzie missing out, Max Clark missing out, who is, is one of the best fullbacks in the division. You know, you really can't argue. It's absolutely fantastic for um absolutely fantastic for the club and it bodes well going forward. You know, there'll be injuries. As I said, Harris will wanna prepare tactically um and use specific players for, for specific situations. And yeah, he, he can do that now. So um, you know, no excuses really, but he's got the tools to do it and Really excited to see what we can do. All right, we'll stick, we'll stick with you, Lewis, just for now, and then we'll get Matt's um, 11 as well, because as you mentioned, we're going to come on, so we may as well do it now with, you know, when we're talking about some of the selection headaches um, that we're going to go with. I'll give you my team first, and then we'll go to you, Lewis, and then Matt. Um, I said that, I haven't even thought about what it is, but I've, I've got done that, I've got a good idea. Um, firstly, I've don't believe McCauley Bond is going to be registered in time to play tomorrow regardless, but even so, I wouldn't have him in my starting eleven uh, to start the game. But what I would go with um, initially is I think Turner will come back in. I thought Morris didn't do anything wrong on Tuesday, but Morris, uh, Morris Turner shouldn't be dropped after his performance on uh, Saturday on opening day. I thought he was brilliant. And I think I'll go with uh, Che, Max, uh, Shad and Malone. And then I'd keep McKenzie in. I'd keep him next to Coleman. I'd then put Williams, uh, Johnny Williams, that is, in the 10. Jaden Clark from the left, Dom Jeffries from the right, and I would stick with Ashley Nadison up top. I don't think he deserves to be dropped. I thought he was brilliant um, on a Tuesday night. The same with Jaden. I thought he was class as well. And I think then, although it's going to be tough for Nichols to miss out per se, I think you then look at the bench and you think you might have Nichols and Bomb both there. And you think, well... You know, two great options. I would like us to go to go for a two, but I think it's probably unlikely at this stage. But you know, we'll say maybe Neil will surprise us. But that's sort of my my reasoning. I think it will be interesting long term to see whether we go with two up top or one, because we now have four very capable strikers who are potentially going to be fine out for one spot. So I think we are more likely to go for a two. But at this moment in time, we don't know. Maybe it will vary depending on opposition. But yeah, that's my eleven, Lewis. Let's go with yours and then Matt's. Yeah, I think the defence uh, pretty much picks itself. I think Jake goes back in goal. No reason why he shouldn't. Um, Trey at right back. Malone at left back. Uh, I think I'd go Aimer and OG at centre-back. I think um, Masterson, you know, he's never put a foot wrong for me. He's one of the best, if not the best, centre-offs in the division. But, you know, Max and OG in good form. It's their shirts at the minute, I suppose. I'm sure, I'm sure he understands that. Um, I'd like to go for a 4-4-2. Um, you know, I think I think we do maybe lack one out wide, but we've got people that can play there. Dom Jeffries definitely plays on one side for me, and on the other side, I probably will go with Johnny Williams. But I thought he struggled against Stockport out wide. I was desperate for him to play through the middle, and Jaden Clark, um, fantastic on on Tuesday. Um, you know, he that that was him announcing himself almost. I think you know when he came in with Ethan Coleman, they were. Two players who weren't in the squad for a couple of games. Um, Coleman jumped up a little bit earlier. We only really saw, <clears throat> excuse me, cameos from Clark. But yeah, on Tuesday it was absolutely fantastic against Premier League standard players. So I don't really mind on the on the wide positions. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll go with Clark over Williams just because I thought I think Williams is so much better central. Um, and then centre midfield, I'd go for 
Sean Williams and Robbie McKenzie on this occasion. I explained the reasoning for Ethan Coleman dropping out, just the fact that Robbie's in better form. Um, I mentioned on Tuesday that I, lo- I love him in centre midfield. I think that's his position rather than at fullback. And he flourished. And, you know, I've said so many times, you think back to when he's playing with Kyle Dempsey in centre midfield. And, yeah, I think he deserves a start after his goal scoring start to the season. I think that'll be in, be in midfield. And then I'd like to go two up top. Um, I think Nadison and Nichols were great when they played together at Stockport when, when Ash came on. And I think as well, Harris has made it clear that he wants to play this front foot football, um, get two up front. He mentioned it in the forum. Obviously, we've been really, really good playing the four-two-three-one in the last couple of games. So he might see it that way where he wants to stick with the, the five in midfield. In that case, I would go Clark and Jeffries um, out wide with um, Johnny Williams behind uh, I think I'd probably go Ashley Nadison as well on his own. But as a two, I would go for Tom Nichols and Ashley Nadison. So I'd go for a four-four-two with those two up there and Bon on the bench if he's available. Yeah, Matt, let's go over yours. Yeah, so I mean, my, my well, back five: Jake Turner, uh, Shay, Max, uh, uh, OG, and uh, Malone. I, I would have gone with Ethan Coleman and uh, Robbie McKenzie. Uh, Don Jeffries, Jalen Clark, and then Ashley Nallison and Tom Nichols up top. So kind of like a four-four-two again. Um, I think that's more the team I would like to see more than the team that I feel Neil Harris is going to pick. Um, I think either way, you know, obviously Neil Neil's going to have his game plan already in his head. He's going to know what he wants to do. Um, he, he's not going to please every fan. Uh, if Bond is registered in time, you know, and he doesn't start, I guarantee there's going to be people moaning that he's not starting. So, uh, you know, th- I think that's for me the team that I would like to see, especially after recent performances. But uh, I think whatever team Neil puts out is going to be extremely competitive. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah, I suppose with, with Bond not starting, if he is available anyway, I think. It is important to people remember he hasn't had a proper free season like every other player we have has done so far. He's been training for about probably the last two or so weeks, you know, for sure, but he hasn't had that um, luxury of having pre season games or things like that to get up to speed with everyone else. Unless there's been some behind the closed doors uh, fixtures we don't know about, um, we'll have to see. But at this point, it's probably a case of, you know, he's just walked through the building, although he's been training with us, probably best to keep him on the bench and when we're five net up we can bring him on and see what he can do but um yeah there was just um let's talk more about McCauley obviously we we spoke about it on Tuesday because we we assumed it might have been announced that night or the following day but um, we've had to wait until Friday but regardless of that we're happy he's here um nice little announcement video I was, I was kind of hoping um there'd be when Brad lifted up um the plate uh thing covering the plate it might have been a photo of McCauley or maybe one of those tables you have where you have a hole in it and he just pokes his head up the front of it that would have been quite funny but regardless uh, he is now our player obviously there's been a lot of talk about medicals and things like this and what's happening what's not but it has now gone over the line and we now look at a forward line of um you know this isn't including Joe Gabode or Lewis Walker um we're looking at Tom Nichols Macaulay Bond Ollie Hawkins and Ashley Nadison which for me on paper is up there with one of if not the best strike um striking options you can have in this division. Completely agree. I think it's got everything you need, isn't it? You know? Um all different sorts of players. Um Tom Nichols is someone who 
loves his ball at his feet. He will chase all day, but he's not really one to sort of naturally run into the channels. I don't think he's someone you'd associate most of the time playing off a striker. I think in pre-season when we just had him and Joe, he had to almost adapt his game to playing the lone role. But but he's done he's done so well. Um, you know, playing with Ollie last year, dropping it a little bit deeper, ball to feet. Um, Ollie Hawkins, I think, is pretty much as target man as he gets. Not not great running, but um, you know he's fantastic in the areas. It's link up play, his hold up play is fantastic. Um, I think I was blinded a little bit by comparing him to to Mikel Mandzukic last season. It was just such a, a breath of fresh air seeing someone who could actually do it. But you know when you sit down and analyze him as a player, you know he's he's done it at this level. He's done it at a level above, and he's a he's a fantastic striker, hold up play, and 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 uh, target man. And Ashley Addison, we know he can run in behind. We know he's quick, decent in the air as well. Good link-up player. And Macaulay Bond as well is a bit of everything sandwiched sandwich into one as well, I think. Um, you know, I'll wait till he plays for, for the team to give a proper assessment. But seeing him in the past, he sort of, you know, he, he gets goals. He, he, had, he had a tough year or two at, at Charlton and, and since leaving Orient. But really good for Orient at the level below. And he's had success at, at this sort of level as well. So, someone who knows where the net is and someone who's a bit of, you know, good link-up play and a good physical presence as well. So I think it's a, it's a fantastic combination. We've got everything we need. Um, I think the signing of Bond, you know, it feels like it took forever with him being pictured in it from the open training session to Tuesday night where he's in the dugout. Um, you know, we'll never find out the real reason of, of why it took so long, I suppose, whether it was medical, wages or what. But he's here now, um, here to be part of the squad and... and try his hardest to to break into that team and you know they're going to be pushing each other every day because they know if they're off it there's someone who's just as good to, to step in so it's a really exciting forward line we mentioned about needing two forwards we went through a lot of pre-season with just Tom on his own and then and then Joe as well um now Joe can probably go on loan Ronald Sitole can go on loan um you know we'll see what happens to Lewis Walker when he's back but these four players if they're fighting for one spot or two spots you know, it's just so nice to have depth again with, with the injuries and the different options as well of what we need. Um, you know, if you've got a massive target man, you could, or a defend. sorry, if you've got a massive sort of defender who's great in the air, you can even put Ollie Hawkins up against them or you can play someone like Ashley Addison who might run in behind, depending on how he wants to go about it. Um, you know, you could play Tom Nichols and Johnny Williams together. You could just play, you know, if it was a four four two, you could play Tom and Ash and Tom and Macaulay Bond. Um, with Nichols playing off him, for example, you know there's so many options there now. And where where we struggled to score goals in the first half of last year, and then last year, second half of the season, we were relying on Ollie Hawkins and Tom Nichols, and you know they're not bad players to rely on. But Harris said that there was something missing. I think we've now got that now with Ashley Addison and uh, Macaulay Bond. So you know, bring on the season in terms of in terms of that. I think you know we probably do need another wide player. Um, you know, the transfer window's not open. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll be having a look. Uh, sorry, the transfer window's not closed. It's still a few weeks to go. But, yeah, in terms of that striking area going forward, it's, it's really exciting, I think, as well. And it's got a lot of potential. And we've seen some joy already. Obviously, Ash scored on Tuesday. Um, good link-up play with Nichols. Changed the game when he came on on Saturday. So, yeah, really excited. And whatever he goes with, it's, uh, it's a positive partnership, I think. Yeah, Matt, in terms of the striking options, it does seem to me to be a bit like a, a volcano at the minute. You know, it's spitting ash in a minute. And then once we get to January and, and Lewis Walker comes into the fold, I'm expecting it to fully erupt. Oh, yes, of course you would. Uh, obviously, Lewis Walker being your favourite player. Um, but 
Look, I, I think one of the best things about uh, the, the striking options we've got is is the different options that each individual player does bring. We've got, you know, somebody who's tall. We've got somebody who's fast. We've got somebody who's, you know, players that are going to score goals. Uh, you've got, hopefully, Tom Nichols going to score with his head at the weekend. Uh, I'm sure that's something you, uh, you, you're hoping for. Uh, but... Um, I, I think the options, and I think ultimately that, that this is what Neil Harris has gone for. He, he's looked at what happened last year and he's noticed that, you know, I think he even said in one of his interviews that, you know, teams are playing 4-4-2 for five weeks in a row and then they come and play Gillingham and all of a sudden they're playing three in attack. Uh, you know, it, it, it gives him the option to be able to play around with his team as well. And I think especially at League Two level, that's something you need to do. You need to be have, to, to have as much in your arsenal as possible and... I think we've got that now. I really do. I mean, I know I was on about getting a 20 goal a season in the striker in, but I, I believe with the players we've got up front, there are goals there. And we've got goals in the rest of the team. I mean, heck, at the moment, Robbie McKenzie is our top goal scorer this season. I mean, who would have said that after, you know, a couple of games? But I, I, I really do believe that, you know, Neil Harris has built a, a, a really good team here, a team that's going to... So whatever team he puts out, they're going to be able to go out in there and get goals. So I'm not worried anymore. I'm not as worried as I was, you know, before before the first game of the season. Lewis, just just thinking about the options we have. If, is if there's one slight worry for me, and I think it might be for you and Matt as well, is come uh, going back to Como when obviously Ollie Hawkins picked up the heel injury. It seemed then at that time to be probably a week, maybe two at most, and. We've gone quite a long time since then, and Neil was asked about it this past um, this past press conference, and he said that well, he's gone from saying before it'd be one week, maybe two weeks. So at this point, he doesn't know. It reminds me a little bit of um, if we remember when we had John Kindy and he had that um, I think it was a floating bone. He told us in his interview, but he couldn't be picked up on scans and things like that, so no one ever really knew how long he was going to be out for. And with, with Ollie, it's obviously not too prevalent a problem at the minute because we are showing we can score goals, but. I'm sort of a bit concerned at the minute that it seems to have gone for maybe back in a week, maybe two with his heel injury. And now it's more a case of we don't seem to know what's happening in terms of his, his you know, progress to get back and things like that. But is that a bit of a concern for you at the minute with, uh, with Ollie? Yeah, I suppose it's a concern. Um, before sort of this season, even, we would have said that Neil Harris sort of lives and dies by his target man. His tar- target man's so important. Um Ollie showed that last season after he came in to help us. But I think, you know, it goes back to squad depth with the options we've got now. Um, I vividly remember Ashley Nadison coming on against Stockport and winning a header, sort of flicking on to Nichols. Um, and he's not a small guy. Macaulay Bond's not a small guy. Nichols is more of a smaller guy, I suppose. No offence or anything. <laughs> Just an observation. Um, but yeah, I think where we've got these options now, even if Ollie was, you know, you know, if he imagine he didn't exist, we've got these three options and they're good options, I suppose. Worst comes to worst, if it was a long term thing where it just kept going on, um, I don't think we'd go into the free agent market. I mean, maybe you could get a loan until January as more of a target man sort of thing, but it depend depends what they feel they need really, um, and what what they can what they can spend, etc. I think it's never nice when you have a player when you don't know when they're going to be back and the injury's ongoing. Um, it went from almost, oh, he's missed Como, he'll be back by Dagger and Redbridge, whatever, and now he's missed the first couple of games of the season. Going to be out tomorrow, we don't know when he's back. Um, it's never ideal. You at least want a diagnosis, I suppose, but, you know, it's not it's not great. It's not something you'd choose to have, but I think where we've got that squad depth now is it's a bit more of a comfort blanket to 
suggest that we've got to deal with it in potentially different ways. But, you know, if you ever have to go direct, you know, you've got Nadison who can run the channels slash win in the air, Bond decent in the air as well. So it's not as big as a concern as it would have been in previous years. Yeah, obviously, Matt, we, we do hope Ollie comes back because he is a very important part of a jigsaw here at Jules and he's going to be someone that's going to be very important in certain dynamics of certain games. But, um, yeah, Neil did also say in his, in his interview that there are there is one other player he's looking at. One of them, of course, was Macaulay Bond. Now, the other, we'd assume, would be a wider player that he said is ongoing and but it didn't seem like there was any sense that it was immediate or there's anything to look out for in terms of announcements anytime soon on that one. But... With the way we are at the minute and the players we brought in, it's been a fantastic transfer window. I think we can all agree on that, even though we've had to be a bit patient at times. We've had to go through the sagas of Alfie May and things like that, but eventually we've had a happy ending, so to speak. But in the sense of that it's one of a wide player we're looking at, do you, would you see that if he came in as, you know, we've, we've basically completed the big jigsaw as it is at the minute and anyone else would be a be a bonus to cherry on the cake per se, or do you think we do certainly as 100% need and one more as well? Well, I mean, I did see obviously in the uh, block uh, pictures video that there was two chairs, wasn't there? I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying there could be one imminent. Who knows? Uh, no, look, I do. Do I feel that we need one more to complete the squad? Yes, I, I, I do personally, just to give us that extra. If we didn't sign though anyone else, I am happy with what we have at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would like us to get a, a, another winger. You know us. I've, obviously, we, we've missed out on on sort of Jordan Graham, but a sort of a Jordan Graham esque type of winger, somebody that can ping a ball. Um, you know, obviously, I think Mickey Southall speaking tomorrow at the club, sort of that kind of play. You know, we we, we really need. I feel just sort of if we're going to go for a winger, somebody that of that kind of ilk uh, of a player, and whether that's imminent or not, whether we've we've got somebody lined up, let's hope. Uh, but I, I feel if we don't get another winger and this is the squad we're going forward with, I I, I am happy. Now, everyone who's uh, listening to this, if you want to get in the comments and let us know if you do believe that our transfer window is complete or whether we do need, in your opinion, one more wire player. So get in the comments and say either complete window or one more. And if so, if you have any particular names off the top of your head, Brad is listening, so maybe you'll look through the comments and think, oh, he sounds nice. But, yeah, let us know your thoughts in, in the comments and, yeah, let us know whether you think we do need one more, whether the transfer window for you is complete. And if you do think it is complete, do leave a rating on this transfer window out of 10 of how you think Neil, Kenny and everyone else has performed in this transfer window. Because for me, it's a very strong close to a 10 of the minute. Maybe one more will push it extra further length, but we're not sure just yet. Um, Lewis, if we are to bring in a winger, we spoke about this in our ME7 chat earlier. I think we both agreed that we'd like a winger who's not somebody who hogs a touchline per se, but is someone who's quick and direct and skillful. We saw that from, uh, I can't remember his name, apologies, but the young lad at Southampton, I think he was 17, who gave Max Clark a difficult time for a long time in that first half period. We saw it with uh, the friendly when we played Charlton there. Corey Blackett Taylor, somebody who's quick, direct, can beat a man. Is that the sort of wide player you're looking for? You're looking for more of a wide player in terms of maybe the sort of role Alex McDonald played at times last season, where he's not the quickest, but he's good on the ball, can get good deliveries in, or you're leaning more towards the former rather than the latter in terms of winger descriptions per se. Uh, the former, yeah, I think um, you know it's good to have the wide options. We haven't always had that. Um, I think back to when Steve Lovell was manager permanently and he sort of went for the 
diamond approach quite a lot and we didn't always have that wide player option. Um, I think at the minute we've got players who can play there rather than players that naturally play there. I think it was Harry, wasn't it, in the chat that said we were done. But I think, sorry to dig him out, I think I said the, the one natural wide player we've got in our team is 18 years old in, in Matty MacArthur, um, who isn't ready yet. So, obviously, players can play there. Jaden Clark could develop into naturally sort of playing that position. I think he was absolutely outstanding there on Tuesday. You know, more than comfortable. Um, Dom Jeffries is almost making that position his own as well. I've said so many times on the show that I thought when he was playing, you know, left of a diamond or wide left last season, I thought he sort of made that position his own. And it was, he was brilliant and he's done really well out wide so far this season as well. And it's great to see. Um, obviously, Johnny Williams can play there, but I think we've both said Owen that he needs to be playing centrally. Um, I think Ashley Nadison can play out there as well. So I think a really sort of natural winger. Um, Quite a few teams have come to Priestfield already this season in sort of pre-season slash this season. Um, I think Southampton, you know, I, you know, talk about like Gineppo and again, I can't remember his name either, but the lad you were talking about, sort of Premier League players almost. Um, but even like Charlton, Millwall have, have had decent wide players. So it's always good to have an option. Um, a natural, yeah, quick and direct was the sort of adjectives I was going to use as well um, before you said them. So quick and direct, um you know, someone that gets on the ball and gets people off their seat. Not to say that the likes of Clark and Jeffrey don't, but someone who has natural pace, because I think Madison is, is the one that brings that natural pace and, you know, one more won't really hurt. Quite direct, um, you know, cross, good cross the ball would be nice. But yeah, it's just someone comfortable on the ball, quick, direct. That would be my bucket list. And then you've got those sort of four players that can naturally play out wide, whether it's a new winger plus... Jeffries or Clark or whether you know Harris thinks we need to play potentially a bit narrower and puts Jeffries and Williams out there or something like that so yeah good option to have and then if we are looking at one you'd almost assume it's that position and then for me it's a 10 out of 10 window if you look at the names we've brought in you know a lot of frustration at times around the likes of Alfie May um, you know maybe another another name or two come, comes into the equation where there's been frustration um, over over potential moves but these things happen. Um, you know, you've got to work and you've got to do what's right for you, obviously. Um, Hess spoke about the the lad that went to York at the um, at the forum as well. If it's not right, we won't do it. Um, likes of Alfie May, sometimes you're going to lose out to higher teams. But, you know, we've we've gone in for, for options and, and we've not settled for for almost mediocre, mediocrity, which is what we were doing last year. Harris made it clear he didn't want a lot of the players we ended up with. But we've we've also not gone above our spending means. We've not gone silly. Um, you know, we've had an injection to the club, but we've not gone mental. Brad spoke really well at one of the forums. It might have been the second one about the way to run sustainably isn't to try and buy a promotion. It's to build sustainably and not just flash cash everywhere. And I think that's what we've done. But at the same time, we've brought in some really, really good players. We've got a fantastic squad capable of achieving promotion out of the division. And yeah, one more. And, yeah, I'll be chuffed, really. So, you know, still a couple of weeks to go. I think we've got a squad who's capable of winning the next few games. Um, might not always go that way, but it's a really exciting season. And I think that, as well as, you know, what's happening off the field, etc. But ultimately, I suppose it comes down to your team winning football matches. And for the reasons why that is now possible, we know it's Brad. We know it's the work from the Gallison family, the work from Neil Harris now, you know, 
being a good manager at this level, working his magic with the options he's got, the work of Hess behind the board, Joe, Paul Fisher when he was here. You know, we've, all that comes down to winning games on the pitch, I suppose. And, you know, we've got a team capable of doing that. And I think that's why people are really excited about this season. Yeah, certainly. Brad doing a lot of uh, great work behind the behind the scenes as well. We'll get on to some of that in just a second because we're going to talk about, Matt, the uh, interview that he did to Radio 5 Live just quickly before we get on to predictions. I don't know if either of you boys have seen it, but I listened to it, I listened to it last night. It was quite interesting. It's on um, the Football Daily podcast from um, BBC, the um, 72 show. Uh, it's available on Spotify, Apple Music and all those great places. Um, yeah, he spoke a lot about how he chose Gillingham, the role Shannon plays. And he did, of course, talk, get asked about the away end and basically said that it's the problem of everyone who's sitting in it, which I think is the right approach. It's not. We can all moan about it being a nice all, but at the end of the day, we're not the ones getting wet or getting snowed on or, or things like that. So I'd recommend everyone go and uh, go and check that out. Um, Matt, have you listened to it? Uh, yes, yes, I have, yeah. What, what did you make of it? Um, well, okay, I, I'll, I'll be honest. The one thing I made from it is Shannon is definitely the boss. I mean, she gets to work, what was it, two hours before Brad gets to work? I mean, come on, Brad, that's that's slacking. Oh, God, what what a terrible chairman. God, it's all about Shannon. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was a great interview. Um, and, uh, you know, as I said, I, I, I sort of, there's, there's a lot of... I, <laughs> I hear a lot of sort of truth in his voice when he's talking about what he wants to do. I, I, you know, I believe him. I, I kind of want to go on the journey with him, and that that's one of the things that I feel is is why we all connecting with him is because we want to be there with the, with him on this journey, and he's really taking Gillingham and Kent to heart. Um, I think his whole family have, and and that's that's really key to I think what is driving our success. It's you know, yes, we have got a good team, but players wouldn't want to come here. I mean, come on, last year, if Johnny Williams had the choice of Bradford or Gillingham, who's he going to choose? He's going to, of course, he's going to go Bradford. But, you know, with with what's going on here, what's going on on the pitch, what Neil wants to do with the team, what's going on off the pitch, the mega store coming back, obviously the incentive they did with even the, the, the pay monthly with the season tickets, which was, I think, a brilliant idea because, again, that gets more people wanting to buy into the club. Um if you buy into the chairman, the the club's going to do well, and and I think as Jules fans, that's ultimately what we've done. And you know that long live King Brad and Queen Shannon, eh? Absolutely, Lewis. Have you uh, had a chance to listen to it yet? Yeah, I have listened to it. Um, I think Brad speaks so well um, in all the interviews he does. Really, you know, whether it's at a forum, whether it's to the regional news, whether it's the national news, the local news. Um, I think he speaks so well and we know Brad and Shannon are a team. Um, oh, sorry, just knocked a plate. Um, yeah, I suppose um, Brad's the chairman on paper, but they are a team. It's the Gallinson family that have taken over this club. We saw Brad's tweet on uh, Tuesday about his daughter, who I, I might be wrong, I think came over for the first time to watch a game. She wanted to work here. So, yeah, it's great for the family. They all love it. Um, you can see every now and again when... Brad and Shannon sort of look at each other and sort of go arm in arm, that sort of thing. They can see what they're doing. And yeah, I really like the comments about the away end. Um, funny story, actually, my first ever game, 2007, when I was eight years old and got free tickets from my primary school and it was in the town end and it was unallocated seating. So I thought it'd be a great idea to to sit at the front row and it absolutely hammered it down. And we had those Macs that the away fans get sometimes. Um, so I know what it's like to sit in that stand. And 
it is a badge of honor. Everyone, you know, if there's a bit of scaffolding, someone will quote the tweet and be like, "Oh yeah, it's Gillingham's away end" or something like that. But it is what it is. Um, you know, if we do climb climb that pyramid, Brad's spoken about potential new ground in the future, but we need to be at a higher level. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just you know we've sung his praises so much, but I think it's an honor to have him as a chairman. Um, in charge of this club. I think we're so, so lucky. Um, you know, people have their opinions on Paul Scally, but whether you like him or not, now, either way, the the club is in such a better place. Just not, like, you know, not even just the decisions, just the atmosphere, the positivity, the way that, the, the you know, the Gallinson family have taken Gillingham under their wing and driven them forward and made the lives of so many people better. It's not even just a football club, it's the lives of people who, you know, if they didn't come in, would probably be preparing for God knows what tomorrow, but we've got a home game against Accrington where we're excited to, to try and get three more points in a sold-out main stand. So, yeah, really exciting. Um, love hearing Brad speak in, in the interviews and I think he's really got his head screwed on. He knows he knows what the fans want. He knows what to do from a business point of view and you just can't ask for anything more, really. No, we can't. And in terms of uh, the infrastructure, we talked about the... Um... Or well, he talked about the uh, Megastore comeback and things like that. I've just been speaking to Brad just uh, a couple of minutes ago, and uh, you would have noticed on Tuesday the arrival of the LED boards in the Medway stand. That he hopes that uh, the rest of the LED boards that are going around the stadium are going to land within the next week and will hopefully all be set up by the end of the month. And I think our first game on that point will probably be Colchester, I think. if so obviously next weekend's the 20th from Rutt Crawley, so I think the next home game after that is Colchester which might be just at the end of August, if not at the beginning of uh, September. But regardless, they're all going to look great. It did did look very nice and very professional on Tuesday. Um, did go off a few times in the second half. I suppose that's the first game of us having it, so it's going to happen. And it's all just learning how to get them working up to scratch. But I'm sure they're going to look great once we have them all around the stadium. And uh, yeah, before we got into score predictions, uh, I suppose a little bit of something Matt will talk about more on Sunday, maybe, if he can be bothered. But um it's not that big a story from Jill's point of view anymore, but um, David Sonder has found a club. He is Jordan Morecambe. So Disco Davies, unfortunately, no longer um, with the Jills. Um, I'll say unfortunately, is a nice bloke, but right decision. Um, but yeah, I hope he does well. Got a lot of time for Dave. Nice lad. Um, just wasn't going to be first choice for us, but he has now moved on and we will see him at some point this season at Priestfield in the colours of Morecambe. So before we uh, head off today, uh, just to remind everyone, Matt's... Um, episode on Sunday with breakfast with uh, the M 7 podcast and Matt get your comments in for him after the game tomorrow afternoon uh, we'll put a tweet out Saturday night after we do the actual podcast to get your questions and answers and things like that for Matt to go through on a Sunday for his show and uh, yeah of course we'll be back tomorrow um, at about eight o'clock perhaps for the uh, rundown of everything that happens in tomorrow's game so we'll be doing a live podcast then to talk about it and review it etc and then james will be back so i'll actually have a break next week i went after host four podcasts in a week which i love doing obviously but it's his turn he's slacking you know he's too busy he's gone back to italy would you believe lewis for a little holiday he just come back from italy he's gone back again it's just it's disgraceful isn't it i thought he just left mate to be honest I'm happy enough. Well, well our views have gone up i don't know if that's a coincidence <laughs> Yeah. Just, uh, he, he went for a wedding didn't he or something uh, so you know that that, that was his excuse so I was going to say he should have just stayed out there yeah, he would have saved a lot of time but uh, yeah James will be back to do the reviews of 
Well, actually, I don't think he's going to Sutton, so I'll do that one as well. Um, he'll be back for the quarter game, I believe. But, uh, yeah, let's get uh, the final bit of score predictions in before we head off, and then we'll be back tomorrow um, evening. Gents, will you be joining me tomorrow night, or have you got other plans, as you would on a Saturday night? I, I will be on. Um, yeah, I will not be on, because I'll be at a family barbecue, but hopefully... Um... Oh, you were close to making a hat-trick for this week. I've done all right recently, haven't I, to be fair? Yeah, you do. All right, let's get out of here then. Um, Matt, score prediction. What are you thinking? So, I, I believe there's going to be goals. I, I was thinking originally 2-1, but do you know what? I'm feeling confident. I'm going to go 3 nil Jules. Lewis? Yeah, I was going to say 3 nil, but I don't want to copy, so 4 nil. Okay, I was going to say 3 nil, so I don't want to copy 5 nil. Yeah. Okay, um, no, 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 hold on, no, hold on, no, hold on. <laughs> okay, no, so I, I'm going to say 7 0. That's, that's normal for you. That's not an exaggeration from you. <laughs> exactly. No, I think I think we will we'll end up winning comfortably. I think it's all about the first goal. I think they might start the game by sitting back a little bit and we'd have to take the game to them. But I think if we can open the score within the first 20 minutes or so, we can force them to come out eventually. And I think we'll be able to pick them off because I think. We'll just have a bit too much of them. So I think well, I will go for a comfortable Jules Vincent. I'm going to nick the 3 0 as well. Um, yeah, have we got any comments to get through? Simon Head says, very happy with the strength in depth across the park. If we could add one right sided wide man, that would be the icing on the cake. But I think we have the personnel to cover it. Stuart Lewis, not that one, says, Billy Bowden from Oxford United, please. Robbie says, Amu oh, Amu Amiya was the player for Southampton. Okay, that's a tongue twister. Uh, Matty says, happy with what we've got, but would love a wide man. And uh, Oh, Matt, you've actually been singled out for one here. Um, Stuart Lewis, again, not that one, says, important question for the ever-confident Matt Olsen. Will he be having a bet on Jules beating Reading's record of 13 straight league wins from back in the mid-80s? I think you've already got a bet on that at the minute, haven't you, Matt, about um, where Wrexham will finish or won't finish? Yeah, I've got a bet on with uh, with Lewis. So uh, the I, I believe Wrexham will not get promoted this year. I'm that confident uh, uh, that I've said uh, if if they do get promoted at the first home game of next season, I will wear a Wrexham shirt. Uh, but if if I'm right and Wrexham don't get promoted, Lewis will wear the Wrexham sh- uh, shirt. But that one with Stuart, do you know what? I I I can I could see us doing it this year. I. I I just believe the confidence amongst the team with the players we've got. Yeah, why not? Do you know what? I, I reckon we'll do 15. Seems we've been in the 80s, but I would have thought someone might have surpassed that 13 record already in, in the modern day, but there you go. Maybe Man City or someone like that. Um, but yeah, we'll be back tomorrow evening to review Jules's game against Akron Stanley. Hopefully another three points to start the campaign. And until then, we will see you tomorrow. Up the Jules. Good night.